Mach 3, give me cruise show on 2, 3, and 4. There's no line 1, actually. 6, 3. Mach 3, can you start line 2? 5 electric. Mach 3. Mach 3, can you start line 1 and cruise show on 7 and 9? Line 1. Super Ops, line seven is code three for light in the gear handle. Fuck. So, uh, I know, uh, I've actually served with Eric Stromsky for the entirety of our career, I think, pretty much. Uh, we got to Luke Air Force Base at pretty much the same time, and then we PCS to Holloman Air Force Base at pretty much the same time where we ended our career. Uh, he, he ended his career uh, as a chief inspector in quality assurance. Uh, no, you went somewhere after that, right? You were. Uh, I was in uh, support. support. Yep. Um, yeah. And then Hackworth, we we met him um, when he was a, a quality insurance inspector working for Eric Stromsky. I was the product improvement manager, which, as you know, is the most prestigious and critical uh, <laughs> position in aircraft maintenance by far. Sacrifices. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm really surprised I didn't just skip senior and get right to chief after that position. It was really surprising that I walked away from such an illustrious career. So such a springboard. Um, really this conversation, what I wanted to talk about is some of the things we did uh, back when we were all serving together at Holloman was kind of recognizing um, things that QA does right, but more importantly, things that QA does wrong. Um, so kind of the, really the first thing I want to talk about, Eric, uh, I'm sure you remember when we had a, a part of, uh, what was it, a UCR? Or a, I think it was a UCR for a, a parking brake not set on a vehicle. That's right. And that had been a UCR since time immemorial. Um, and when we really kind of, I think a lot of times at QA, especially with chief inspectors, they don't question a fail until someone comes into QA to argue the fail. Right. It's, there's not like a, a cursory review of all the things that happened the night before, and then you kind of pick through it and make sure that your guys made the right call. It's almost an adversarial setup where you're waiting for someone to call you on it, and if no one calls you on it, then everything is assumed to be an accurate sort of sort of call. And I know uh, with you and your chief inspector, a lot of times you would look at those things that were, you know, that seemed like it was a, what they call a clean kill where nobody was really going to raise a stink over it. And when it came to that parking break, I think you were, I think a lot of people were really surprised that um, anybody was looking into whether that was a UCR or not. Do you want to talk about why you looked at it and what we kind of came to the conclusion of well i remember um i do remember that one there was there's a couple couple of big ones like that i remember uh grounding the aircraft uh was a big one that was um one of those fails that no one ever questioned it was never uh, a second thought in someone's mind when they when they read that um and i can't remember who the inspector was but somebody had said that they thought they they you know that reg had disappeared had gone away and um what happens in qa um, is you start building upon levels of regs um, that may have addressed a certain specific situation, right? So like a parking brake on a golf cart is not the same thing as a parking brake on a truck with, with a brake that's in-op, 
And right. once we start, or a, or a manual or a truck that has a manual right. transmission, a parking brake, right? There's a big difference. And, and a that's where automatic. that's where that regulation started. And for years and years of um, you know uh, this being groomed into the the people in maintenance, um, you know you you start as a staff sergeant, you get used to written up on it, and then you carry it on as a QA, and then you know become master sergeant and you know senior, and you and your your airmen are getting these write ups, and you're, you never question it. Um, yeah. so it just takes one person to actually kind of question, is this still a valid regulation? Is this still something we still need to be writing up? And, um, I remember the argument was like, oh, it's, it could roll into an aircraft. Right. And, uh, I feel like a lot of common sense is lost in QA where you, you, yes, it's black and white, but you know, at, at what point has a golf cart ever rolled into an aircraft unless it was 90 mile an hour winds out there or something? Yep. Um, I'm sure it's happened maybe somewhere, you know, someplace in time, but overall it's not something you need to worry about. And uh, that's, that's how it started the conversation is, you know, why do you have to set a parking brake on a golf cart, right? Were you parked on a hill? Were you, you know, right. um, were you towing anything with a golf cart, right? All these questions started coming up. And uh, as we sat down and argued, you know, the basic argument was, um, it's just something we've always written up, something that's always right. been a thing. Um, I remember we started looking at all kinds of age regs and, and uh, vehicle maintenance and everything. We, we couldn't find one shred of evidence saying that that was a UCR, yep. right? And even the reg in that little handbook they gave us in QA was, it was, it was so vague and general about mm -hmm. vehicles in the flight line, had nothing to do with parking brakes on a golf cart, right? So, you know, but that's a good thing is getting people talking, understanding like, hey, you know, um, takes one person to challenge something, you know, the status quo, and next thing you know, you're, you're, you're finding out that this, all these UCRs for years were actually nothing. So, right. you know, what's interesting is um, when when that fail was kind of scrutinized, I can't remember who the inspector was at the time, but if I remember correctly, they got a little bit defensive that anybody was questioning what category it was. And, you know, especially in stuff like this, you don't have room for ego because it's important to do the right thing and without concern for who made the call because it's an opportunity to learn. Anytime your ego kind of gets introduced, you do ego protecting stuff, you know, the opportunity to learn might be lost. But right. I think there is a, and I see this a lot with my, in my second life as a law student, I think a lot of the times, especially with QA fails, the inspector has an outcome that they want or that they expect, in, in which case you find a parking brake not set and it's, oh, that's a UCR because historically or experience wise, it's always been a UCR and they don't, they never dug down to see if it actually is. Right. So the outcome is already established. Now they just need to populate the QA report with whatever the fail was to make it align to what the outcome they knew it should have been without any analysis of the regulations of whether it should or shouldn't been. Right. Like Hackworth, did you ever experience when you were a QA inspector where you would find something and you knew what it was supposed to be and you would kind of frame your observation around this is going to be this outcome and then you'd almost craft your evaluation based on the outcome you expected? Um, so there's, there's different times where I've found like a UCR, I can't name one off the top of my head right now, but you know, it's, it's, it should be just, you know, clean kill. But then, um, what I learned, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but, uh, what I learned though, from, uh, working with, uh, with Ostromsky is be prepared to, to back it up. You know what I mean? Don't make sure it's not just a, a BS kill just because 
that little yeah. book that you're referring to told you to to write it up. You know, make sure it's not a vague, you know, like make sure it's going to add value to, you know, the metric, if you will. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I tried to do. Um, I probably didn't do a very good job when I was when I was still learning how to be an inspector. I was just right. focused on, you know, like, oh, I got him. So, you know, hey, look what I got for you kind of thing. But once I started to 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 get more comfortable in the role and to realize what what a QA inspector is supposed to do, you know, then I started to literally like look for, okay, what's going to add value to the overall, you know, fighter group or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, as, as a young inspector, when you get in there, you're, you're, you know, there's two types of inspectors. There's guys that, you know, they, they want to, they want to do a good job. They want to find the right items, but they're, they're finding the things they were used to finding or used mm. to getting written, written up on. Um, you know, you walk the flight line and we can all go out and fail the crap out of every flight line we walk on. Right. Um, but your, your point is, Hey, is it value added? Is it a common, is it a common sense write-up? Right. Um, there's some things that are safety related and you can't really pass on that. Right. Um, you know, we can get into the, you know, we can talk about all day personal, personal feelings about when you walk up to some guy without a safety glasses on when he's underneath trying to safety, yeah. safety wire. Right. Yeah. But as QA, you're not really supposed to bring those feelings into account. But in the reality, when you find a piece of safety wire in the floor that's 20, you know, 20 feet behind the aircraft in the hangar, is that really, you know, in the grate, is that really going to be a, right. a major fog fail, right? Yeah, I remember, um, I remember, uh, you remember Bob, the civilian guy at, uh, at Luke? Yeah, Bob. He used to walk around fog in his pocket. He came up to one of our pro supers with a handful of FO, nuts, bolts, you know, big rocks, and he, he showed it to him. And the guy's like, oh, holy shit, where'd you find that? He said, out in the grass. And, and the pro super literally slapped his fucking hand. <laughs> and it's like, it's like if, you know, and that it make, it makes me think, Eric, I mean, we, we came in at the same time. Like, we were both at Luke together when we were pulling engines like crazy. If you remember the late 90s, yep. where we had jets yep. go down like crazy. I literally didn't know there was a TO for engine removal and install until I was like a senior airman. And I had done probably... 30 or 40 motors because wow. in, in late 1998, it was, you know, when I joined, it was a, 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 almost a scarlet letter of shame. If you were a staff sergeant and you had to reference the book to know what you were doing for literally right. anything. And TO compliance was literally the book only came out when QA was around or when it was an ORI UCI or whatever new acronym they make up for every two or three years. And to, at the time QA almost seemed necessary or appropriate because I, you know, and it just could be I had an isolated incident or Luke had an isolated incident. But if you look at the quality of the maintenance that we were doing, or at least the TO compliance we were doing in the late nineties compared to when, you know, the 2015 on very rarely would you find somebody out there, a not following the book. And even if they didn't weren't following the book step by step, they weren't necessarily cutting like major corners pencil whipping full ops checks and stuff like that. They were, they might skip one step that they knew was not pertinent to this check for, for efficiency. And, you know, but QA is always looking. So when you've, when you, when you're no longer chasing a safety of flight issue, because the maintenance across the air force has gone up to such a degree that nobody's doing, you know, flagrant TO violations, but QA still has to find stuff and they're still looking that's when well, the screws starts getting turned to people. I think that's a little part of the problem too. Is you know, as as patients increase, um, you know, we all know the tempos that you know, even even though Luke was a training base and Holland yeah. was a training training base, um, you know, tempos go up, way up, and the QA 
the QA does, does not change. Your, your stats stay the same. So if you do 100 engine pulls, right, um, you, still, you still get 100, 100 passes or fails, right? Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know, I remember Anthony, there was a time, uh, you know, we would come in and we'd have these, argue, you know, not arguments, but these conversations about these fails. And, you know, um, you were one of the guys I do remember that would most definitely change, you know, you would stick to your guns, but then you start seeing the overall picture, right? What's the value of the, the fail? What, what's going to come out of it, right? Mm -hmm. So if I do a, a minor fail and no one's going to pay attention to it and no one's going to do anything with the information I give them, then really what's the point of doing that? Right, right? I'm wasting my time. You're wasting your time, right? If you come across, you know, we notice a trend for, you know, um, you know, engine installs or whatever the case may be, stab installs, and we notice this trend, and this we notice the same fail over and over again. Well, that's that could be a training trend, it could be a, a maintenance trend. Mm -hmm. uh, those are value-added fails, right? I mean, a lot of the stuff that we wrote up, um, and I was guilty when I was a staff sergeant, I was an inspector like you, and I was the same same way. You know, I was black and white. I found a rock in the engine shop, and yeah. I'm going to fail you for five. Like that's it. You know, but as you progress, you just kind of realize what bullshit fails those were and, you know, what's the value and, in them. And there's also, I, want, I don't want to say workarounds, but there's ways to, like, if you find FOD near yeah. an aircraft, you don't have to give it a UCR. Now or, you're doing a housekeeping inspection. Yeah, it's a housekeeping right. inspection, you know, because, oh, now I'm looking around. You know, it wasn't an automatic, oh, I didn't mean intend to find that kind of thing. Right. So. Yeah. Which you know, would always, you, with the, the, the inverse of that is where you'd have those shitty QA inspectors that would go up to a truck, open the door, and find the parking brake not set and go, oh, that's UCR. Like, no, 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 no. no that's you a started inspection. doing a vehicle inspection. Right. When you open that door, like a lot of, a lot of you know, maintainers, section chiefs, and in some cases, as we saw working up at QA at Holloman, even some quality QA inspectors don't understand. In order for it to be at UCR, it has to be, you, you spot the fail, as the first thing that you mm -hmm. see, if you if you're like, oh, I want to go check out this engine trailer to make sure the the jack screws are up or down or whatever the condition is, you you're now doing an engine trailer inspection. You're not you can't pull a UCR out of that, um, and it's almost like it becomes a game of how many UCRs can they rack up. And I don't think it's necessarily a conscious thing, but it's almost like you want to return to your tribe and brag about your kill. Well, well, think about it. How Right. How many of us had, you know, I mean, like I said, you come back and you found some major findings, uh, you know, a UCR, a DSV, a TDV. And I've been there. And you're just kind of beaming when you get back. Right. I'm like, oh, I caught this guy doing this thing. You know, like, you know, I educated that airman not to not to he's got to have his TO out. Right. And um, it's just part of the culture of QA. Right. I mean, yeah. it's um, they don't call it sharks in the water for nothing. You know, it's, it's a, not, I think know. it's a balancing act, too, because, you know, if, if you have a, a a QA that doesn't find anything, you know, what's, what's the commander going to think? Oh, QA's not looking. <laughs> well, so that's, that's, that's it's, a, it's, a, it's a balancing, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, you're I right. swear we don't have talking points. I swear we don't. Go ahead. <laughs> no, we're just, it's just, it's just organic. No, it's funny you bring that up. Um, so when my, my tenure at Loop or at Holloman as a chief inspector for, it was almost two years, I think it was, um, you know, when certain leadership took over, we all know how that kind of played out. Um, but that was exactly their comment, right? And uh, one of the one of the seniors was, "Hey, your guys aren't failing enough stuff, right?" And when I was doing the reports, and everyone was getting you know these good ratings on QA, and I'm like, "It's not that they're not failing; they're just taking a common sense approach. We're not failing every single thing yeah. you find. There's no point in doing that, right? We're right. We're, we're we're trying to we're trying to expand um, what a real fail is and, and the outcome it's going to have on the squadron. If I give some airmen um, 
a TDV because his screen locked out, right, which isn't his fault, yeah. right, he's going to get his ass chewed by the commander and probably get mm -hmm. an LOR. Who knows how, where that leads to? What's the point of doing that, right? So you educate first and then you, and then you fail. I think uh, at QA as educators, I think that's a big chunk that's missing right now. Yep. Um, I can't speak for the last couple of years, but when I was young, um, we go to QA for all the questions we had, right? They were yep. supposed to be the technical experts. I mean, these people, I remember they come in the shop and they, they would wow me with their knowledge of what they, what they knew about engines, what they didn't know about engines. Um, they really, really put their mind to it and they were there to teach you and train you. They would take their shirt off and sit there and help you install a deke or something if you needed to, right? That, that went away. I'm not sure when it went away or how, but that, that portion of QA definitely went away. Well, it seems like almost there was a sort of metamorphosis when a, a seven level, you know, staff tech or whatever would move from the flight line to QA where no longer they, it almost like they unburdened any maintenance. Right. There's, they no longer have a responsibility for the maintenance effort is pretty much what it became. I'm not saying you Hackworth. I'm just saying that was the, the kind of the, the culture shift from an aircraft maintainer in a unit shifting to QA is your job was no longer to help with sorties in any way, shape, or form, except for the fact that on Friday night you got to stay late because there's a ninja bay that the pro super swears to God they're going to have done before. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're good. Uh, no weekend duty. Yeah, they're 12 hour mark. <laughs> yeah, right. um, no weekend duty. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and it also makes me think that how often is the QA hiring process literally pulling the most experienced? The, the most honest and ethical maintainers from the unit to put into QA to now almost weaponize their knowledge and experience against the people that, you know, they were just supporting and mentoring and stuff. Like, it's almost like you're setting up the unit for failure because you're removing the experience to put into QA. So there's a deficit of experience in the unit, and then you're increasing the experience in QA, and it's immediately turned on the unit. It's no longer collaborative. Nobody would call QA for advice anymore because they're afraid of the fail. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, um, advice, I, I mean, what, what happened to the old courtesy inspection, right? Can you come on and take a look at this before you KTL it, right? I mean, we used to do that all the time. That's never right. happened when I was QA. Yeah, right. I did it you a know? lot. I did a lot in phase yeah. in Korea. Yeah, no, and nobody called. No one call us. I and mean, in Holland, they were they would never call us for anything. It was it was only strictly for the install. And I'm not. I was never known as like, oh, look out for a hack. He's a right. He's gonna fail. Right. I was never like that. No, but no. yeah, I never got any. Hey, mind looking at this before you know, blah blah blah. I probably would have said no, but you know, no, I'm just kidding. But you know, I <laughs> I probably would have just went out and get, you know hung out with them and yeah. you know. Right, and that like that's a, you know, you I mean you guys you guys both been there when you're a when you're a tech um, or staff and you're out there and as a seven level, I mean, how much time do you really have to sit down and, and train these guys in QA? You got all the time in the world, right? Let's, exactly. let's be honest. We're bored. Right? Yep. <laughs> so bored. We're playing golf in the office, right? Like true. You know, a lot of it's golf, not, right? It's not <laughs> true. <laughs> I would never squander the taxpayer's money. By the oh, way. no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, you, know. you know, you know, Eric, you kind of talked about when we were at Holloman um, leadership came in and said, the pass rate's too high, which is, you know, that's a really kind of layered statement on its own. Cause first of all, they're calling your entire QA section liars. They're calling the flight line maintainers without evidence liars because they're signing off work that is not up to standards. Um, that's a, like, I don't know if I have the testicular fortitude to walk into a shop, call everyone in there a liar and everyone that they're inspecting a liar, unless I had some 
real fucking evidence. And I'm the type of person that typically gathers fucking evidence. Um, nah, not you. So, you know, and, and as a section <laughs> chief, I mean, I used to, I used to ping a little bit, but I kind of quickly figured out that this is the only way, like the way it should work is, is QA is always the standard. It never really wavers. The, the standard is, the standard is, it's this many minors, this many majors, you know, cat one, cat two, whatever. The standard always stays the same. They always inspect the same. And the quality of the unit's maintenance kind of comes and goes as people PCS or the ops tempo is really high. But in reality, what really happens is, is typically your unit is kind of doing the same quality maintenance all the fucking time. And what happens is this QA standard goes up, which right. creates a, a fail. And then your people come in on the weekends, they get LORs, they get, you know, their supervisor has to show up in blues to go see the group commander at nine o'clock in the fucking morning while she's watching Maury Povich on the TV. I'm not that that ever happened. Um, <laughs> it's, oddly specific. <laughs> it's very fucking specific. Um, and what happens is, is people are stressed out and then, and then the conversation happens either at the group or at QA or somewhere, some chiefs get together and then the QA standard starts dipping because they're trying to let the guys breathe. The guy's fucking work has always stayed the same. The QA does this and this. Like, I remember I would have a, I would have a string of fails and, you know, I'd be told, you know, McGee, you need to get your fucking hand around this. You need to take, you need to do it. And I wouldn't do shit for two fucking weeks. And then our pass rate would start getting better. There has been no change in the maintenance behavior in the unit, but the, but the QA standard starts doing this. And they come along two weeks later. Hey, really good job turning around. I, you know, whatever you did, keep doing it. I never had the heart to tell them I didn't do a fucking goddamn thing because, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to react to everything because if I go to my people and I hammer them for doing the exact same quality maintenance that they've done for the last 10 years, I'm beating up for no fucking reason. And then two weeks later, if I go up to them and be like, Hey guys, really good job. Turn around. And they're like, Oh, McGee's a fucking idiot because we haven't changed the fucking thing. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the, and, and if, when you have a maintenance model where the QA standard is constantly cycling, how does no. anybody know what the fuck the standard is? That doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, we've all seen it, right? Hey, guys, uh, I want you to go out there, and we're going to increase numbers of FO inspections, right? It happened at Holloman, right? They went out there yep. and just hammered the crap out of them because there was some, you know, granted, there's some legit concerns, and there was a, there was a problem with, with FO and the walks and everything, but instead of getting to the root of the problem, we just went out there and we just went out there and kept hammering them, right? Yeah. Based off of the direction of leadership. So if you're, you know, you, you have a problem like that, so instead of us going out there and helping find out what the root cause is, Hey, let's go take a look at their photo walks and see what they're doing on photo walks. Hey, let's go see the route they're taking on their photo walks. Guess what? How many times we photo walk a hanger, Hackworth? <laughs> right? Barely any. Right? We barely. I mean, we walk the main ramp and not through the hangers. Maybe that's Is part that of the Natalie problem. Tyler. Was that you're muted? Is that Natalie? You're still muted. Jesus. Yeah, she's here. Oh. Hey. <laughs> hey. So these two used to work for me a long time ago. Uh, I'm pretty sure they don't hate me, so that's no. two. Don't hate you. Wow. No, I, yeah, I got mad at you a few times, but I don't hate you. That's fair. <laughs> Everybody says that. You're my friend. So I, I regarding a, like a QA fail that happened to me, I don't remember the exact specifics of it, but I remember Lem and I were doing a uh, like a oil top off one day or whatever, and we passed the the whatever they were inspecting, and then takes it over to the ready line, sets the parking brake. Remember, he set the parking brake because I called him on it when he didn't set the parking brake. 
And then the QA inspector that watched us do the, you know, the maintenance or whatever, walks over, hits the handle of the, the oil cart, it hits the ground, and then the, the, the parking brake comes off. And then he writes us up for a UCR for the parking brake coming off, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I mean, is debatable at, at any point, whether or not it was said or regardless. But like, it just seemed like at the time, like, I remember it was in a period of time where we were coming in, like, every weekend for UCRs and all that stuff. I mean, to me, it just seemed like he was searching for something. I mean, and and we felt like we had no power to say anything at that point. Like, no, we know we said it. Like, I, I even vouched for him, but it was it still ran up as a fail. And yeah, I, that's a that's a weird power dynamic too, because you don't want to argue too hard against a QA inspector because they have they can just ruin you. Mm-hmm. Well, he and he told his words exactly were, "I'm a fucking tech sergeant. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Take your fail on with it." I mean. I mean, it's whatever. It's a small thing, but it, like, my question was exactly what you all have been been hitting on tonight. Is like, what what was the point of that? Like, what what did that QA fail? Right. What did it- well, you just kind of hit on it. You said, you know, the, the the guy says to you, "What's what's the big deal? Just take your fail and go." Right? Yeah. It is a big deal, right? Yep. Because that that LOR, that LLC, that whatever accumulates from something like that, that you know UCR you give, it affects an entire mm-hmm. squadron, right? I yeah. mean, it affects yeah, everyone all- there. And yeah, so, like them, to, you know, passing that off, and, that, and like I said, that's one of the root problems is it's it's a culture of oh, I gotcha, you're done, that's it. Instead of educating and, and finding out root causes of, I mean, real root causes, not like oh, why do we keep getting TO fails, right? Oh, the computers keep crapping on us, and whatever the yeah. case may be, it it it, it and that's a decision that a lot of the QC or QA inspectors on the spot can make right there on the spot, right? You know, what's better what's better served, educating this person right now? Or actually writing them up for this for this thing, right? Them up. Yeah, yeah, and then right. it's also you know? a conversation of what's a QA inspector's job. The real, the first job is to correct behavior, and yeah. you know, and I don't know, I don't know when I figured this out, but I kind of realized that you know, um, when you want to correct, some, when you want to punish somebody, discipline somebody, or, or correct behavior, it needs to be severe enough that they don't do it again. It needs to be severe enough that their peers maybe see it. And they don't want to do it either as a deterrent to them. And then the third and most important part is it should be the least amount to accomplish the first two. Like Correct. if you, if you article 15, every single fucking thing, then you're going to get a whole lot of fucking compliance, but people are just going to give up and quit. So like if I, you know, as a QA inspector, if you can sit somebody down and really clearly explain to them, this is why it's important. This, this cart could have done this if the brake wasn't set or on the vehicle or, or, or anything and you, you have that conversation of this is the safety issue. This is where it could cost money. This is, and, and really it's a, it, it, it's a discussion of if you don't do this the right way, it's going to cost you time later because you might have to fix something. You might have to redo something. You might have to pull the fucking motor again, which is like the worst thing you know imaginable. Um, and if QA inspectors had that mindset of I'm not racking up monthly metrics to hit quotas or, or whatever it might be. I'm just trying to make indivi- individual encounters make better maintainers after every encounter. I think you'd see a, a pretty big difference in so, how it's treated. Go ahead, Hack. So with that um, with that statement, just playing the, the opposite side real sure. quick. Uh, I love the opposite <laughs> side. <laughs> so when you know I was an inspector and I would give someone a, a, a freebie, if you will, you know, I would still go back to the to the uh, flight chief or whatever. Say, hey, I just I gave you guys a freebie for blah 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 blah, but they don't care. 
they don't care about that. They don't care about freebies. They don't care about passes. But what they do care about is fails. Right, so, right. so uh, more to to your point, uh, McGee. Like that's how they learn, in in some cases by by failing. Right. So, so I I, I realize just being being in QA like. I could I could brief all day like hey I gave your guy a freebie or I, I, I passed him but you know they don't care about the butt part they just but care you're, about... mi- you're missing the See, point I made the point is well, it's the least amount to accomplish the first two so if you give them a freebie you have the conversation and their guys are still out there running around with no reflective belt on or whatever the the fucking right. thing was then it's progressive discipline we learn progressive dis- discipline from ALS to NCO Academy to being a parent go ahead Eric but but think about this the person so. Hackworth says, I gave you a freebie. So he does his job and he educates the, the person on the spot of, you know, whatever the instance is. He goes back to the flight chief or the pro super, whoever it is, right? Should be a math sergeant and say, hey, this is what I found. This is what you guys were yep. doing. Here's what I did. The least amount of, you know, uh, punishment or whatever you want to call it or um, enforcement would be from that master sergeant getting in yep. that ass of that airman, right? I mean, not, not just forgetting about it, not saying, oh, thanks for the freebie, Hackworth. You know, I appreciate it. That right. guy or that section chief needs to, you know, use his, use his chain of command going down. Let me talk to the expediter. I'm going to chew the expediter's ass of why that guy's out there without a selective mm-hmm. belt, right? And that's how it should bleed down, right? And mm-hmm. that's, I, I, look, it, it may be a little different now, but when I was an airman, you got your ass chewed, it really meant something. It, yeah. it wasn't like a, well, oh, they can't do anything. He didn't give me any paperwork. Even paperwork and a lot nowadays. Of, and a lot of airmen saw the ass chewing as, I'm getting the ass <laughs> chewing in lieu of paperwork. So, like, right. it's <laughs> like they're trying okay. to. Yeah, yeah. Like I had to, I had to pull, uh, I had to pull Tyler aside one time because he posted a picture of a, of a fucking F-16 up on its ass and fuel bar. Or he didn't post it, but it, he was the last person that was known to have suspicion of it. So I, I literally brought him in the office and said, "All right, I'm in trouble." Yeah, I said, "All right, Tyler, I'm gonna just pretend to chew your ass, so you just sit here with the door closed. I'm gonna be loud enough for people on the outside to hear, and when you walk out, look mopey." Uh, and as far as I know, he never took a picture of another F-16 on its ass at fuel. I didn't. So, yeah, I know. So, you know, and Eric, you kind of touched on it with, you know, what does the flight chief do? But also you touched on it earlier. What's the root, root cause of this problem? And I would see it a lot in the morning meeting. And it was one of the things that really infuriated me the most is you would get a fail gun install fail, whatever it might be. And the first thing that the flaccid, ill-informed, out-of-touch leadership, that's the best words I can come up with, would say <laughs> is, decert him. When there has been investigation none in, to figure out, did he know the proper way or did he just fucking blow off the proper way? Because deserting somebody because they knew the right way to do it and they just chose not to, you're almost rewarding them because obviously they don't like to do the task. They don't want to do the task. And now they're kind of exempt from doing the task. Um, I saw it at group meetings where the group commander would hear that there was a fail and he would say decert him. And decertification should be, there is evidence that the person does not know how to do the task properly. And a fail doesn't mean they didn't know how a fail simply means they didn't do it properly. Right. And, and, it seems like it's the biggest fucking cop out ever that it satisfies everybody that doesn't care about fixing the problem because everyone reports, you know, to the OIC. Yeah, we desert them. They report it to the squadron. They report to the group. And then nobody asks after the group. And then something's been done. But the reality is it was a legitimate 
integrity slash maintenance discipline problem and deserting doesn't fucking solve that well how do you fix that though because yeah, whenever maybe. whenever we get oh sorry yeah go ahead whenever um you know you get a fail you have to do what a rca a root cause analysis right sure you, you, you fell a, yeah you fell a pre-flight or your guy fills a pre-flight. Oh, well, uh, what are you, you going to do about it? Uh, he's going to do it the right way next time? You can't say so, that. And which you guy deserves to be deserted worse? The guy that knew what he was doing and chose not to do the right step or the guy that just didn't know? Like, I mean, in my opinion, the guy that just didn't know just didn't know. I mean, it, But that's probably, the guy that should be deserted because you're talking so, about his 623 saying he knows how to do the task. If he legitimately didn't know how to do the task, he should be deserted. It should not be a disciplinary issue or a punishment issue. It's you genuinely didn't know. Let's retrain you and see where we went wrong. If someone what, knew how to do it, they shouldn't so be deserted on it. Go ahead, Eric. So the first part of uh, we're talking about this, the root cause, right? How do we get to the root cause? And I, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. You know, giving away freebies is great and it should work. But the whole goal of QA and playing devil's advocate here, the whole goal of QA too is identify trends throughout the group, not within a certain squad or not within a certain, you know, uh, shop. Um, so if those aren't being documented properly, right, you will never know you have a trend in a group. If if uh, Hackless went out and gave away every engine install um, write up that he did, right, and then Chris did the same thing and I did the same thing, the group would never know there was a problem, right? Maybe it's a you know, you trace it back to the install engine class or FTD, whatever they go to. You're right. So it is important to report, right? But like you said, there's a time to educate and, and time to report. And what drives the freebies overreaction by the group, RCAs right. for every fucking nitnoid thing. And what that does so, is it is it is it puts pressure on QA because they know that these are their peers out in maintenance to give freebies because they think it's just as stupid as everybody else that so you have to do an RCA and go see right. the group commander in your blues. And those, so the, so the RCAs, the RCAs are, they are value added in a certain extent. I mean, for that area, but it's not, we don't do an RCA for the group. You only do it for the shop, right? Hey, Hey, uh, Hey, Sergeant McGee, why did your airman fail? You know, have not have his foot flexible belt on doing RCA, right? Yeah. We all know those are bullshit on, at, at a micro level, yeah. right? But at a macro level, when you look at the whole group, those could actually do some good, right? Yeah. If, if, if they're looked at in that way, right? You can't isolate every incident and use that RCA as an isolated incident. Hopefully the chief or whoever's in the, running that squadron at the time is looking at all the RCAs the squadron's getting and comparing them all to see what write-ups they're failing and, and, and what area they can get improved in. Um, but everything can get chased to a root cause, you know, but, you know, um, I'm sorry, I forgot your buddy's name online here. Um, yeah, he brings up a good point, right? Um, you know, some airmen, they just don't know. You know, if you don't know, you don't know. The guys that choose not to do something on purpose, hey, I'm not going to wear my effective belt, even I know I know I should have it, yep. right? That those are the those guys need to get hammered, right? Because that's an integrity issue. It's not. It's not. It's not a knowledge issue. Right. <laughs> so you know, it's interesting that you kind of bring up you know the group with RCAs because I think that the the root cause analysis. It's almost like if you look at an AIB versus an SIB, an Accident Investigation Board and a Safety Investigation Board. The Accident Investigation Board, their findings can send people to prison. It could be UCMJ actions taken against you, so on and so forth. The Safety Investigation Board is, this is all protected, privileged information. It'll never get out. We, what we're trying to do is not hold anybody necessarily responsible. We're trying to figure out what happened, what went wrong, so we can fix the thing. 
We're not looking to hurt you. But there's going to be an AIB after this. So they're going to look at all the same stuff, right. and you should probably have a lawyer for that because they are going to be looking for to lay blame. And typically the military is trying to lay blame specifically on people because it makes the military look better. Um, so if RCAs were treated more in the model of the SIB of RCAs don't need to be pretty. They don't need to be, you don't need to gloss over the ugly parts of your unit. Let's, let's really look at the root cause. Let's know what's going on. Let's not fire people over it. Let's not do anything like that. Let's not go crazy over it. Let's really gather this data and look for trends. And it might be a one-off or two-off trend in a unit, and it's not group-wide. But I think the problem is discipline, discipline, promotion, you know, careers get tied to QA pass rates, performance, section chiefs have to answer for why their guys are, are doing stuff to, to a certain degree. Yeah. And it cooks into it where you don't want to give a root cause analysis. You just want to get, you want to get deep enough where no one's going to say, is there anything underneath it? You peel back as many layers to satisfy all the people and then you send it up and call it a day. And that doesn't fucking fix anything. Right. Well, I mean, like you said, that the, the fact that your QA rate ties into your rating, right? I mean, how many, how many times did you get a phone call asking someone what their, their QA rate was for the quarter, for the, you know, for the year, whatever the case may be? How many, how many times have we put that on, on our own EPRs, right? My like, squadron QA pass rate. Um, not like that most mass terms have zero freaking to do with what kind of pass rate the squadron gets, right? Masters and above. That, you know, that, that, that was always a bullshit rating or bullshit bullet in my, my opinion, but um, when it's tied to your career, when it's tied to that, I mean, yeah, you want to inflate the numbers. You want to, you want to make it look good and pretty and put a nice bow on it um, instead of doing actual work and say, hey, we got a problem. You know, we got a real problem here. Um, and a lot of times, you know, chiefs aren't willing to do that. Uh, look at their own squadron and say, I got a big problem here. And, yep. you know, let's get, the, let's get the brains in the room that we can figure this out. And seldomly is QA called in on that, right? Yeah, Just like QA real. is not, I mean, we, we get called out to do group training, right? Uh, Hackworth, how many times you go do a, uh, a pre flight training, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Six thousand times, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But that's not the type of training they need, right? They don't need giant group settings where everybody's tired as fuck and hungover, and they don't want right. to be there. No one's right? paying attention. Nope. Right. No one's right. They need to be out there one on one, and um, you know. But in reality, when it's all tied together, when your performance, and even in QE or QA too, right? That a lot of that stuff makes your EPR bullets. Um, you know, how many inspections you did? What was your pass rate? Like, I don't know why that yeah. should freaking matter. Why does it even mm -hmm. matter? No. Yeah. I um so with that, can we talk about how we used to do things as far as you know QA meetings and yeah, discussing? You can, talk about, you can talk about whatever you want, man. QA Thanks. Yeah. Great. I love QA. I love that. So yeah. So I love the fact that all the inspectors literally scrutinized every single inspection for the previous day. You know, I think that was awesome just because we got to see different sides and we got to see like, oh, I guess that isn't a fail. Oh, I guess that is a, you know, pass and all that kind of stuff. I think that was good. And I think it's good just, just to have that different perspective, you know, and I think it helps the member, whoever we failed, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't have failed. So you're not going to get failed, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do remember some, man, we had some great, great debates in the office. Right? He did start out sometimes. With, sometimes they were, right? But that's okay because I, I like to see the passion behind what people yeah. believe is right. And not every interpretation is correct. You know, um, unfortunately, some people get charged to make that ultimate decision, right? The chief inspectors, it's basically their job to decide yay or nay, right? And that's, yeah. that's what it boils down to. 
Um, but I, I mean, discussing it and looking at the logical sense. Now, what was that guy's name? Um, he was a weapons guy. Right oh, yeah. Oh, we, uh, we <laughs> let's not even names. discuss. Let's we not even discuss. Him. We can discuss him in, in hypotheticals. No yeah. names. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Either way, what I'm Forget. saying is, um, yeah. he, that guy would, would, he was completely black and white with everything, right? Yeah. There was no, his blinders were on and, and that was it. And when that we got in those discussions, what's that? <laughs> That, that was, was fun. Not, that was not fun. <laughs> I love those conversations. Yeah, when we got in those discussions, but it really yeah. opened. You know, eventually he came around, or hey, there's time for people to change my mind, right? I mean, it's not like a, right. I know everything, right? And shit, a lot of times Chris would tell me I'm dead wrong, and we would sit there and talk about it for a good hour. Yeah. And then, but at the you out, were usually out, wrong. No, I know. No. Usually wrong, right? <laughs> I was always right. It's just me and Eric were agreeing. <laughs> but we, um, you know, those QA courts. I mean, that. And that that's a, that's something beneficial, and that's something you see that happens within QA. Um, do you see it happening within the squadrons? I don't see it. I never really saw it as a pro super, lead super, anything that. You know, uh, even a section chief. We did it in uh, the 308s when I was under Chief Roberts, best chief I ever had. Every single Tuesday, we had something called hits and misses, where every single section. First of all, they had analysis in our morning meeting. They would have to stick around and basically say here's where your trends are, this is where you're performing, underperforming. And then the first time analysis showed up, it was something like A1C that didn't know shit about shit, and he got blasted <laughs> because he wasn't ready. But what was really interesting was is every section had to talk about, had to review the last week of what did you get right, what did, what process did you create that worked well, or, or what it, personnel issue did you have, what did you do that was really good, and then what did you failed to do what did you flounder on what was what was terrible what did you you know try to do and fail why did you fail kind of dissected and it was very much a, a no judgment sort of zone and we would take those lessons from each section to really kind of and afterwards sometimes i go up to other section chiefs and be like hey tell me about this because i didn't know you're doing this and i think it really boils down to every every healthy organization has at least some sort of meeting where egos are shelved and everybody's trying to learn from other people's, you know, thoughts, judgments, decisions, and, you know, taking best practices and, and dissecting failures to, to see what could be maybe mitigated in the future for everybody. Um, and I think a lot of people are afraid to do that because so much of your career aspirations are, and goals are tied to how you're perceived by your supervisors and nobody wants to sit in a meeting like the guy that won't be named like you know that he was probably i mean it sucked that he was wrong 99.9 percent .9 of the time so every single meeting was basically exposing his yeah. failures but he we would still have long conversations of let's walk through your logic let's see how you got from right. here to here and let's teach it's a teaching there, moment and there right. would be a sharp left somewhere and you'd be like all right this is where you went awry and you know if you if you can't have meetings where you are capable of dissecting those failures your unit is the only reason your unit is succeeding is by sheer fucking grit or you happen to have a lot of performers by by the luck of the pcs roulette system right well you know when you, when you, when you sit down and, and, you, and the guy realizes hey this is where you took your left um you know unfortunately it's that's when it comes to the hiring practice for QA. Um, some of those people can't get out of there. They can't, they can't see any other way. They can't see their mistake. They can't see their error. Um, they can't see <clears throat> how changing their write-up would benefit, be more beneficial than a fail versus not a fail. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, that ties into, like I said, that the, the, the culture and the type of people that are inspectors, 
um, the type of people that are put up for inspection, right? I mean, we're always, I'm used to, hey, we're going to put up our best, our, our best guys to be inspectors because overall, it's going to help the group out versus my squadron. Now, you know, that, I think that kind of went away a little bit too, right? I don't, I don't think uh, at sometimes, you know, you know, chiefs are sitting down looking at their manual and QA says, hey, I need two bodies. And they're like, oh, well, here, let me put up these two guys. They're definitely my, my start. My yeah, start we had some real here. idiots going to QA. I'll name Crump because Crump's a fucking moron. I don't have uh, a problem naming him. I haven't heard that right. name in two Jeez. years, Chris. And I could have gone <laughs> another 500. There's no one that's going to watch this video that's going to be like, I'm fucking not following 20 years done because I really like Crump. That's not I'm a fucking I'm trying to think if I remember <laughs> Crump as a, I do remember Crump when he was a tech <laughs> sergeant. I remember oh, that. I, I remember that. He's a bad guy. God, he's but, a bag of crap. Yeah, and and and, and we w and the the units would feel the effects of, you know, you get you get the wrong inspector there. They're a dangerous combination of ignorance and ego, where they don't know shit about shit. They're confident <laughs> enough to write everything up, and then you know it also begs the question of there is not a good appellate track for QA fails. If if a QA inspector writes a QA fail, and let's say it's an idiot and he's completely wrong, and you can take, you know, let's say the parking brake where you're like, okay, it was not one step away from failure. It was in park. You know, the parking brake, you know, wasn't set. It wasn't on a hill. There's a lot of things going on here. That shouldn't be a UCR. It wasn't one away from failure. Or how about it shouldn't have been a UCR at all because you had to open the door and you started doing a vehicle inspection. Where do you take that? You take that to the chief inspector. And if the chief inspector is my team, my guys, and they're not necessarily interested in doing the right thing, they're doing the, I don't want my guys to look bad, or I don't want to make it look like I'm running my shit fucked up. Where else do you go? You can go chief to yeah. chief. But then after that, there's no, there's no, there's no real recourse here. Besides your chief going, I'm not going to consider that for your EPR because I know it was bullshit. But there is a there is a wound done to a maintainer when they know that they are right and QA still sticks them with a fail that is not just. Right. That, that destroys all of the relationship with the QA. One of the yeah. records said I didn't have a problem with Crump. <laughs> I think you less of you, you should have. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? Just to put that out there. Oh man. <laughs> Oh man, see, Crump scared him away. Didn't even walk away. Not at all. <laughs> oh yeah, he's going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, when you um, when you look at overall, um, a, a guy like him going out there, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said uh, ego, right? Ego plays. It should not. I mean, it does play a part in a lot of maintenance. A lot of people, there's big egos out there, but you know, um, when when you're coming to sit down and you approach a, a team that they're they're busting their ass, it's been you know 12, 15 hours they're out there you know working, and you find something that are, at that time your ego has to get checked, right? You kind of got to be like, let me let me look at the overall situation of what I'm approaching here. Let me see the impact it's going to have on whatever I decide to do because you're not really told. I mean, we all know about seeing the commander for fails and paperwork, but when you're in QA, you you really don't give a shit about that. Right? Yeah, you're insulated. I mean, it, you just don't really care because it doesn't affect you, right? If something doesn't affect you, you're not really paying that much attention to it. Besides, right? as, a, as a human being in an NCO caring about the well-being of the other maintainers, we're saying in a, in a purely sterile sort of way. Sure, I got you. Right, yeah. I got yeah. you. That's how yeah. you're getting your hackles up. Hack. Yeah. You're, you're like, it's I not, care about it. That's not true. I love them. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it isn't true with a good QA inspector, but the problem is in order to function as a QA inspector, you, you don't have, have to, to care. You have to block that out. 
and you don't have to care about the people at all. That is not a job requirement in order for you to be a adequate inspector. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, define, I mean, how do you define a good inspector, right? I mean, that definition, a good inspector, do you you hit your numbers every month? You, you know, you. I don't think there is. I don't think there necessarily is a good inspector. I think it's, it's all like, cause you inspect differently than what I inspect differently. You know, I can right. consider you a good inspector. You consider me a good inspector. You know? I think a good inspector has clean kills and where their kills aren't clean, they're willing to change a fail to a pass. If they, sure. it, like they're flexible. They have hum- they're humble. Yeah. yeah. Who, so like in that example, who was the, I forgot the inspector. There was an inspector that brought up the, the failure for the, the aircraft grounding. Right. There was, was probably right rice. Use, was it, it me? It might have been rice. Was it you me? Know, that sounds like a rice. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's not bashing rice. It was parked like was outside out, further or something like that. Yeah, or it was, was out. It was sure. I think it was out on the on the on the it was ramp the fire where they was sure. Oh, that might no, no. It was the. It was. It was most definitely the the. It was a UCR for the uh, grounding. Grounding because the there was no ground. ground. There was probably no grounding oh. points when they had them like way out halfway between the taxiway and, and something. Oh, no, I was in a hangar, I think. Oh, no. Oh. Right? Aircraft was in a hangar. And anyway, anyway, so he, he wrote it up, but then he started doing his own research on everything. Right? And he ended up finding it. I'm like, hey, because he looked at that stupid book with the stupid reg in it. And most time, people will slap that reg on the report. Yeah. And no one even checks it. Not even yeah. uh, the squadron that got failed. Yeah. Guess what? Reg not there anymore. Guess what? All the, all, the, all the stuff he could find, he could not find that reg anywhere. Right. Only when right? maintenance is being performed or something yep. like that. Yeah, or no, refuel. it wasn't even being maintenance. It was refuel, refuel or no? That's the only oh refuel. Okay, yep. refuel and weapons. Anything yep. with okay. weapons and refuel. Yep. I never say anything about maintenance. If I go to take a panel off, yep. okay, that's maintenance, but not required to be grounded. Yeah, right. They do it at the airport all the time. Right, mm. <laughs> you see them out there, yep. not grounded. Yeah. So, anyway, that like a guy like Rice, right, went willing to go, you know, an extra step to make sure his fails legit. And make sure the regs that he's quoting to people as a failure is, is something that pertains to that exact failure, right? And we use a lot of general regs, and we you can you can discuss black and white all the for the uh, regulations, that, you know, how you interpret it, how I interpret it. Um, but you know, he's one of those guys that hey, when he's wrong, he's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then um, the problem is nothing changed after that, right? We was still a UCR for some reason. That's where I don't know why. I know. I, I mean, I can't name, well, you don't want to name names, but I got in quite an argument with uh, a couple seniors over that. So, <clears throat> but, you know, military, right? So, suck it up. Yeah, write it up. military. Right? What do you do? Yeah. You do your yeah, best. That's hashed. The only person that that still applies to is you, right, Hack? Everybody else on this uh, discussion. I'm trying. That's why I'm being. Free uh, that's, why, that's why I feel like I'm being uh, very PC. Yeah, you that's know? good. You should, right? Yeah. You know, you host a, I love you, a podcast talking about <laughs> raw talking, right? <laughs> and you're you're withholding yeah, all of your opinions. But that's, I'm sure his podcast has to do that's more different, with different though. Oh, it's social. not work related. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, we don't really try to intertwine that, you know. But obviously, we 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 have that in the back of our heads. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No worries. I want to invite you next time. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Not enough in the world to talk about, right? You're just talking about mates all the time. Yeah, right? nothing really going <laughs> on. Yeah, no. <clears throat> um, yeah. That was – we're pretty much out of time, but I really wanted to thank uh, you guys for, for doing this. I mean, last week we did – I did have that discussion, and it, it kind of went better than I thought it would. And that was on shit I didn't really know anything about. But um, <laughs> I just felt like it was definitely something that 
you know, we could package up and distribute to people that are still out there in maintenance. Yeah, well, I, uh, I think this is a great conversation. I think there's a huge um, portion of maintenance right now and quality and quality assurance. And, and um, I, you know, there, there needs to be some kind of shift. Like I said, it, the focus of quality needs to be more on training and educating versus, you know, numbers and, and, and hammer fucking somebody. It, it's got to be, and, and it's got to be come from the top. It's got to be driven down. And I think that's why I fear, you know, it just, it's just like a cycle. It's the same cycle that keeps repeating until, until somebody goes in there and starts making these changes. Um, you know, it's going to continue, but uh, hopefully if somebody listens to this and hear it and they become a, a, a QA inspector, they'll, they'll, they'll understand, Hey, you know, there's a lot more to a write up than just going out there and, and writing a piece of paper down and, and then uh, enter it into a computer. Do you have any last attacks, Hack? Uh, no, I don't actually. I don't. I mean, uh, like what Shramsky said, I hope that, uh, you know, the, the next future inspector realizes that, you know, first they're there to, to like, well, not first, but they're there to train as well. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, look for, look for that airman that literally is just lost. You know what I mean? It just doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. And instead of seeing him as raw meat, go and, and, and help him. Right. Yeah, yeah. Go help him out. And then I think they'll appreciate that later. And they're also learn to be like, you know, to learn like, Hey, QA is actually not so bad. Right. You know, be that, be that change, I guess, and not be that, that stereotypical shark, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a question on that. Like as somebody that got out as a senior airman, what, what's the best recourse for somebody on the line as a senior airman, A1C, like, I don't know what to do, but I see QA going by. I was always, you know, like fear QA type. No, you know. don't have, you shouldn't, you know, you see QA go by, you, you have a question about anything, you know, there, there should be almost the first people you call, especially if they're out there you know, readily available. Hey, I, I got a problem. I got a situation. Do you know that you can call them without any recourse of like a failure? Absolutely. That's how it should be, but it depends on the inspector. It depends on the base. Yeah. It depends on the culture. I remember yeah. I would go out to the line and just walk the line. I wouldn't even have my, my clipboard with me. I would right. just go yeah. out there and walk. You know what I mean? Like, I think there was a few of us who did that. Just go out and just... Not not necessarily right. mob, but you know, just go out and just just hang out with everybody yeah. and see how everybody's doing, and not worry about fails or passes or anything like that. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I have several instances of QA coming up to me and you know, calling freebies, whatever. You know, hey, you know, like you missed this step or you forgot this or whatever. And I mean, sure. several, but it was never a, a point where I could be like, I was out on the line by myself doing X task and I don't know what I'm doing, and I see QA going by, and my instant feeling is fear because I don't. You I mean, drop like, everything, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll throw all your tools down, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just clean it up. Sit on them. That's totally wrong, too. <laughs> That's so wrong to yeah, have that feeling of fear, right? When, uh, you know, those should be the guys that you can, you can depend on to come show up and, and um, you know, show you, right? I mean, your seven level's not always there. Your expediter, your, you know, post super, all those guys, they're not always there. Right. So QA shows up and like, Hey man, I, I, you know, I need some help. Show me how to do this. And what, what am I missing here? And absolutely. Now, if they, if they're going to, if you're going to have like a, you know, a, some kind of major UCR or failure or safety violation, if you're, you know, doing service and hydraulics and you have no PPE on, well, of course you should be, you know, you shouldn't call them right, over, right. but you yeah. know, for, if it's legit. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, and I, I don't I just hate that that happens. It really, it really sucks. I got more confident with QA once I made staff sergeant and got my uh, seven level and everything. I, that's when I actually became more comfortable asking questions because I was like, well, I'm really on the line now. Like, <laughs> right. talk to these 
guys. Like yeah. that was me a lot. <laughs> just yeah. so there. I mean, I, I know mean, there's good to it. The reason I asked that is for like senior airmen on the line right now is because like when I when I was in the culture was like just keep them as far away as possible. Like <laughs> pretend yeah. like you know that's gonna like be not- it's gonna be really specific to the base. So like the the advice is more geared towards QA. This is how to have a healthy QA organization so your senior men are willing to come up to. At right now I wouldn't I wouldn't I would not advise any airman to go up and track down QA and, and bring them over to a job because I don't right. know what the individual culture is at each duty station unit i don't know if their flight chief's an yeah. idiot that's gonna uh you know throw them under the bus or, or whatever john did, did you have anything you're muted right now but do you have anything john no i'm just listening in i had to stay muted because i got some kids running around and yelling and stuff oh is that mescalino mm-hmm. what's up uh, what's up man <laughs> what's going on we got man? the gang back together yeah right <laughs> All right, well, I uh, appreciate everybody kind of dropping by. I'm going to stop the recording, and then uh, we can hang out a little bit longer. Thanks.